Welcome to the Latinx Kid Lit Book Festival podcast. This is season one, episode 25, Creating Our Avengers, Gabby Rivera and the Power of America Chavez, moderated by cartoonist Brina Nunez. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. It's good to see y'all. And welcome to the first ever Latinx Kidlit Book Festival. And I have the huge honor and blessing to be here with Gabby Rivera. <laughs> Gabby, I'm going to just read this cute bio for you real quick. Uh, Gabby Rivera is a Bronx-born queer Puerto Rican author on a mission to create the wildest, most fun stories ever. She's the first Latina to write for Marvel Comics, penning the solo series America about America Chavez, a portal-punching queer Latina powerhouse. Rivera's critically acclaimed debut novel, Juliet Takes a Breath, one of my favorite books for now and forever, was called um, effing outstanding, <laughs> effing outstanding by Roxanne Gay. There's the book <laughs> in all of its glory. <laughs> and the book is also going to be republished um, in September or was republished in September 2019 by Penguin Random House. Currently, Gabby is the writer and creator of BB Free, a new original comic series. And just a reminder for all of our viewers, please check out the anti-harassment policy in the chat box and please use kid-friendly language in that chat box as well. So Gabby, um, where to start? You've done so much work. Um, let's see what to talk about. I guess we can first talk about America a little bit if you'd like to give us, you know, Yes. A little summary, anything that you'd like to share with us about that piece? I will, Brina. First of all, hello. What a pleasure to be in conversation with you. Young people, if you do not know, Brina Nunez is a comic artist, storyteller, educator. She teaches brilliant people how to write comics. Brina writes their own comics about Oakland and life and love and their artwork is amazing. So I just have to, if we're gonna do this, Brina, we gotta like have both of our magics on there. You know, like. <laughs> Thank you. Uh. Yeah. Um, and so your question about America Chavez, right? Like the Marvel created Latina lesbian portal punching superhero, right? Like she was a powerhouse in the Marvel universe before I came along. America Chavez was a young Avenger. She was in the team brigade. So she was already a, a, a character with a backstory. She has two moms, all sorts of magic. And somebody at Marvel read my book, Juliet Takes a Breath and was like, we want you to write for America Chavez. And I had never written a comic before. I was about to be the first Latina to ever write comics for Marvel. And it was a big moment. And when I took on writing America, I was like, well, what do I want in a comic? How do I wanna explore being Latina, right? Because she didn't have a country or island of Oregon. She was just generic Latinx. 
And I was like, what does that look like in outer space, you know? Um, and so Writing America, I just wanted to offer a powerful hero that also was open to exploring her feelings, learning about her family's history, and like choosing her own path when it comes to the fight for justice and what she cares about. One of my favorite pages that I always have to include in my class. Um, you already know this, but your book is a part of like our required reading list. <laughs> it's always getting so much love from like these young, like 20 some year old folks. And it's very, again, intergenerational work that you're doing. Like so oh. many people are resonating with it. And if you're not sure what intergenerational means, that's like what I'm writing. You can connect to it if you're, 12 years old, you can connect mm -hmm. to 60 years old, like all is, is very open for everybody. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's crossing all sorts of borders. And my favorite page is when, or my favorite panel, I guess, um, is when America is like standing and the backdrop is all of these flags, all these different flags from the diaspora, from different Latin American countries. Can you maybe talk a little bit about what that moment was like for you to create that that piece, that that page? Sure. I mean, you know, it's complicated. And I know as much as you love that page, a lot of people didn't like that page. So there's a lot of conversation around what does that mean for America Chavez, right? Mm. So if you're Latino, Latina, Latinx, that means that you're from another island or a country uh, and your people came here and maybe you speak Spanish and, and that's the thing that kind of like lumps us all together, right? Like uh, we're Latinos now, even though you're from Peru or El Salvador, Dominican Republic. Um, and with America, she didn't have that. She was just generic Latinx. And I was like, well, do I have to tie her roots to the United States? Do I have to make her be Puerto Rican or Dominican? Or can she kind of be like outer space Latina? You know, like a combination of this new emerging identity that we have here and like my favorite parts about being Puerto Rican. Am I allowed to do that? And Brina, when you think about it in the context of like white people, when white people are in outer space, they don't have to be tied to Kansas or Britain, you know what I mean? They can just be white people in outer space. So that's kind of the space that I was going into with America. And that's why I created that planet, Planeta Fuertona, uh, a made up planet about strong, powerful women and femmes, black and brown spirits, like just making magic in the universe. I wanted young kids of color to know that like, yes, you're, you can be Jamaican and or Nigerian or Peruvian and that's important. And you can tell your story from that place. And also you're allowed to make it up. Mm -hmm. I also love the way you talk about queer relationships in the book, especially when we look into America's backstory with her two mothers. Can you talk about what that was like for you to write her birth story? Ah! <laughs> okay. 
Okay, so let's hold origin birth story real quick. And, and one more note about the page that you mentioned with all the flags. I imagine that because America's mothers died, they sacrificed themselves to the universe because moms and parents are always doing that, right? To protect us. Um, I was like, well, what happens to an orphan brown kid? What happens to an orphan brown kid who's strong enough to travel from place to place? Who's gonna love that kid? And in my mind, I was like, well, all the, if she's space Latina, all the Latina families that she encounters, all the Colombians, right? She's my home, my best friend is from Colombia. So we had little America in, in Colombia. We had her in a backyard barbecue full of Puerto Ricans in the Bronx. When I think of us, even though Latinos are a bunch of little groups all in one, mm -hmm. I see us all loving each other and our children. And I might be Puerto Rican, but if a little baby from Dominican Republic was like wandering around lost, we're gonna love that kid, you know? Um, and that ties into her origin um, because she also comes from two moms, right? And like, if you believe that you should like, be good to others and you believe that you should like love your neighbors then however they are as a family is totally okay and good mm -hmm. and and in queer love in the love between you know two people of the same gender of various genders there's so much strength there and so much the same fun you have in any sort of wacky family you're gonna have in the queer families and I wanted to show how strong and good and honest that love is. And if you have two powerful moms, you literally can be a superhero that like takes on the universe, you know? And so, yeah, I really wanted to highlight that in, in the story um, in a way that was like fun and exciting. Mm -hmm. And she's born out of like this love. I think that's amazing that literally like the power of love is what brings America into into the universe into like the current like her home and her place and yeah I can just keep gushing on about how beautiful how poetic it is I mean I guess that's another question I have too is that birth story sort of like how was it written did you kind of write it with like poetry in mind. <laughs> yeah, how was your approach to that? I love that. Listen, um, at one, you know, so Marvel, the entity that makes all the comics, they have all <laughs> sorts of special things going on. And so that time, a whole bunch of comics, like were doing origin stories. So Marvel was like, hey, let's do one for America. And I was like, of course. And in my mind, I was like, how cool would it be to have like at the beginning of time, the beginning of the universe, a black and brown spirit, female in essence, like falling in love and making planets out of their love. Like how cool is that? I mean, if the Big Bang Theory, right, exists and we're believing that all this stuff is just crashing into itself and blowing up and making life, love, and infinite possibilities should be able to do the same thing, right? Um, and if we believe that our ancestors are the stars and we are made up of the galaxy, then it is not impossible. And, you know, as a queer kid growing up, 
all I would ever see is images of like a mom and a dad having a baby. It takes this person with this part and this person with this part to make a baby. And while in a lot of ways, that's obviously biologically true, it makes you feel like you can't have a baby or that you're not allowed to have a family. And a lot of people use those, that particular like way as a way to tell you that if you're not doing it like that, then you're wrong. And I just, I don't agree with that. And I wanted to like have a really wild birth story for America, but also beautiful. One that doesn't tokenize or disrespect queer families, one that shows you that love really does create life and, and really can change the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I'm in church all over again. <laughs> Gabby, oh, I love that. And everything that you're describing is what I absolutely feel whenever I reread that passage in the comic. It's Thank you. It's ineffable. It's ineffable. It's like indescribable love that just makes sense. And for that to like manifest through like her two mothers and to like have this beautiful baby who's like, I want to see the pretty much the embodiment of everything I would say. I would hope that kids can gravitate to and to like lean on whenever they might not feel powerful in their power because i think for me personally i feel like it took time to re to recognize what that power looks like right. for us as children as like little queerlings who are still coming into our own <laughs> identities and i'm so grateful for the existence again of this comic it's doing such phenomenal like storytelling but also being this agent for all ages all peoples from the diaspora yeah yeah and yeah i want to is it cool if we speaking of childhoods would it be cool if we talk a bit about juliet takes a breath let's do it bring up <laughs> so this is going to be a graphic novel and what made you come to that decision from it being, you know, um, a beautiful novel already, but wanting to manifest this into a comic? Well, first of all, I'm so excited. The Juliet Takes a Breath graphic novel will be out December 1st, uh, published by Boom Studios, edited by Shannon Waters, and all the illustrations by Celia Moscate, who is brilliant, incredible artist. Um, Listen, when I write stories, I always see them as like big movies in my mind, right? So that's number one, whether it's Juliet takes a breath or like anything I'm writing, I just see it as a big scene in my head. Um, and so Juliet has always in my mind worked like it could be, it's gonna be a movie one day. And when Boom Studios, who I was doing BB Free with, um, and I'm, we just are like fans of each other, when they reached out about a Juliet graphic novel, I was like, yeah, let's do it. And if you don't know what a graphic novel is, it's um, just like a bigger comic book. It's a bigger comic book where you get to go deeper in the story and like be even wackier as you want to be, right? 
And so with the graphic novel, I was like, this is gonna be great. Cause like, you know, if you're a kid who likes to read, but it's intense to read something that's like 400 pages of just words, then a graphic novel and a comic book is a good way to take an easier dive into that story and still get all that emotion and all the excitement of it. And if you like it, it'll push you, I think, to like really go in and read the book too, you know? You gotta have options for everybody. Some people love all those words and will just devour that book. And other folks, you know, give me that comic. I wanna see it. I wanna like, I want one panel, one word, and let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, also, and Juliet is this, Juliet Takes a Breath is the story of a chubby, happy, awkward, curious 19 year old girl who is trying to figure out her her body and her queerness and like how to navigate the world. And in my heart, I was like, I don't know if I've seen that in a comic book. I don't know if there exists like a curvy, queer brown, like nerd burger protagonist. <laughs> So I was like, no, we have to. She must be in this form as well. I love it. Yes. And I love that you just said that you, when you're writing, you think about how this, this literature can come into its own as a movie. And I absolutely, as somebody who mostly reads comic books, like all the time, <laughs> I, don't know. I feel like I was reading a play when I was reading Julia Takes a Breath. It just felt so, like I was there, I was sitting on like next to the stage with all of these characters. They felt so real and tangible, Gabby. And yeah, um, can you tell us, you know, what inspired you to create this book in the first place? I mean, the first, first of all, if you're writing anything, and you're not sure where to start, the easiest place is to start with yourself, with the things that you've done that have been different or cool or weird, like the time you went to like mime camp or like, you know, that day that you dug up like 400 seashells and, and made a car, I don't know, you know, like whatever you're doing that's wacky and weird. So when I went at 19 on an internship from the Bronx to Portland, Oregon, hung out with hippies for the first time, like, was away from my parents, like was feeling myself as a newly free teenager. <laughs> That's where I started writing. I was like, I, I, I think this is funny. I wanna write this. A friend of mine encouraged me to submit it to the anthology and I just did. And I wrote in my own voice. I wrote in the slang that me and my friends used. I wrote the way my mother speaks. You don't ever have to be anything more than what you already are, you know? And I don't know where that trust in myself came from. But <laughs> I was just like, I've never fit in. I've always been bullied. I've always had people talking about my weight and my looks and, and that I don't look like a girl and that I'm not pretty and that I'm fat and all of these things. I'm not Puerto Rican enough. I'm not this, I'm, I'm not that. And so finally I was like, forget about those people. I am going to do me. That's all I've ever known. And if you don't like my book, it's probably because it's not for you. 
it felt like such a like such a warm blanket to like <laughs> huddle with every time I go back to this book and I honestly had a hard time like letting it go and like giving it a rest so I can like savor it are you and, a snuggler am I a what a cuddler snuggler a little bit yeah <laughs> <laughs> I low-key dream of having, um, what is it, a Snuggie? But <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm just going to put that out there in the universe. If it's someone can sponsor me, Snuggie company, whoever makes that, like, <laughs> call me. <laughs> Let's see. Um, I, actually, I was going to ask about Portland, you know. Yeah, what it, what made that place, you know, so interesting and special to you for you to write it in Juliet or for that to be the backdrop of the story? Well, I mean, going to Portland from the Bronx, it was just like such an experience. I'd never been to any place that was so like green and like laid back and full of so many people who were doing things that like weren't mainstream. Like even being a vegetarian was still considered like <laughs> so weird and like against the norm, you know? So I was just so excited to be there. And Portland was also weird in ways that like in the Bronx, like I felt like I couldn't be weird. Like you gotta be cool, you know? Like even if you're not cool and you're a nerd, you gotta be like a cool nerd and you gotta be tough, you know? You gotta be like ready to defend your, your lunch money, you know? <laughs> But in Portland, it was like people had like glittery gnomes on their porches and like their cars had like painted daffodils on them. And I was like, who are these people just flittering around living this happy little life? <laughs> <laughs> so it helps in the book because there's that term, right? Like a fish out of water. And that means like when you're someplace you've never been and everything's so new and you have to learn the ways of this new group of people. And so it's a really good contrast um, from Juliet, who is from a more urban environment, who is from a more like kind of like loud environment, um, but is also deeply proud of where she comes from. And so she doesn't just look at Portland as like, oh, I, I love this. It's better than the Bronx. No, she's like, skeptical and like a little judgy and it's like we don't do this like this at home we don't wear patchouli <laughs> <laughs> and i think that uh especially as you as you grow up you have the safety and the habits and the culture of like whatever your parents and your immediate family offer you and as you grow up so many of us have to like really adapt and really make a lot of room for how other people live their lives and, and, and to have respect and care for all of those different ways. Yeah. I mean, speaking of openness, she learns a lot about like intersectionality and like when I say intersectionality, like all of these different ways of existing as one person, like she's meeting all sorts of different queer characters. Um, would you be able to kind of like walk us through like like 
how you were able to like capture all of these different ways of existing as a queer person uh, in Juliet? I mean, in the most simplest way, it's just me writing about my friends and my mentors. Mm -hmm. and I have had to build a life where I'm not a freak, right? Like not in a bad way, where I'm not bullied, right? So that means surrounding myself by people who, you know, maybe they look like me or they love like me or their thinking doesn't try to diminish who I am as a person. Like people that are filled with lots of love and like are living lives that they want to. So they're queer, they're bi, they're, you know, uh, transgender, they're living with disabilities and they're like, and so what? I love my disability. I love that I've got like long hair and I'm wearing a dress and I have he, him pronouns. Like we're not trying to fit in with you. We're trying to love ourselves as we are. And so with that perspective, it was really easy to write these characters because my world isn't filled with like straight white people. Like the movies will make you think that if they're, the movies make you think that if there's a black person around that all they have are white friends. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or like if you're the gay cousin, then everybody else is straight. And like, that might be your life, but that's not mine. In my world, everybody is like at least a little queer. <laughs> everybody in my world is fighting for the same rights that we have, that queer people should have love, that like, you know, um, we need to like protect black and brown people, uplift black women, you know, take the undocumented kids out of the cages, you know, like that type of energy is all around me. That's the life that I'm building. And so I must write those things so that young people can see that that exists, that you are not alone, you are not an anomaly, you're not the token black best friend, you don't have to be. You can surround yourself with a whole girl gang of black girls and be queer and be proud and you are beautiful, you know? Um, and so when Juliet takes a breath, I was like, yes, we're gonna have a queer black Maxine who's very butch, we're gonna have Zyra, who's like Erica Badu, holy mother mm -hmm. vibe. We're gonna have Kira, who's half Asian, half white, who rides motorcycles and is like studying to be a librarian because you get to be a nerd too. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, you know, and and you get to make, you get to choose your family, you get to choose your friends, and you get to look within your own family and see all the ways that they are like beautiful and unique and, and, and how they have like survived and thrived with all of their identities. I love that. And this is another book that speaks like to the, so the fact that it's another form of agency that you're giving to all of these people, to like folks like me, my partner, and like all of the babies that are like wanting <laughs> to find again that nice like little cuddly spot on their like bed wherever they are and just like find themselves in this book and feel held. And you know, um, you're doing a lot of like what I consider to be like very medicine work as a writer, as a storyteller. And if I can ask about 
your process, you know, what does, you know, how do you approach like a blank page? This is more of a question about um, your process. What does that look like for you? Well, you know, there's the pre-pandemic process and then there's the pandemic process. Right. right? <laughs> I feel like so many of us, especially our young people who are doing virtual school, who are doing combination of in-school and virtual, this is a really different time. This is a time that is like testing our concentration, testing our ability to focus. It is not easy. And so one of the things that has been really helpful for me to get words on the page is to make sure that I'm giving myself a break from screens, that I go outside and get a walk, that I sit mm -hmm. in the sunshine, that I read a book, that I give my brain that space to just be like, it's like a combination of chilling and like problem solving daydreaming. <laughs> I, I have to do that because otherwise it's just screen after screen and I really believe that that gets in the way of the creative process. Um, and in the moments where I can't get away from the screen and I still have to write, uh, I try to do something where um, I'm either writing by hand in a notebook and then transcribing um, into Google Docs or something, or I just tell myself, you know, just even if it's like 500 words, just write it down. And if you're struggling with one part, write something else. Everything that one of my writing mentors always tells me that everything you write now will serve you later. Mm -hmm. So even if you write this whole little story about dinosaurs and you don't know what to do with it, in five months you turn around and you're gonna be like, wait, somebody's paying me $100,000 for my dinosaur story? Like, <laughs> you know, or I got 100,000 likes on the what I shared, you know what I mean, for that story. Um, so my writing process is giving myself space to daydream and to be in nature. And then it's like picking up that pen and paper, opening that document and like giving my energy to the work and to the writing. There's some amazing young people who wanna ask you some questions. So let's we? Yeah. <laughs> so this is Ella, fifth grade from New York, New York. New York. Hi, my name is Ella. My question is, what is the hardest part about writing a book? <laughs> Did you see her, Ella? <laughs> <laughs> my God, adorable. Ella, thank you so much for your question. The hardest part about writing a book is believing in yourself enough to know that you can do it. A lot of times it's our own worry or insecurities that makes us feel afraid. And then we don't write it, we don't finish it. You gotta wipe all of that away and know that you can do anything. Anything that you put your mind to, you can do it and you should and have fun with it. Yes. Playing, having fun is the most important part of anything. Like sometimes I, I feel like, okay, I'm not having fun with this comic anymore. Like that's when you're saying, take a break, like take a break, go outside, get some fresh air. Yeah. Because that's when I realized I'm not having fun with this anymore. <laughs> 
and with a big project, like that's another thing, like writing a book, you can't do that in a weekend. It's gonna take a lot of time. So you have to commit to it, even in, in moments where it, it, it isn't fun, when it is a little boring, when you're tired of these characters and their drama, um, but you gotta stick to it and you gotta finish your work. And those, that, that, those two things can be the hardest parts about writing a book. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Let's see. Are we ready for another question from an amazing? Oh, yes. These kids' questions are amazing. Let's see. We have Lyra, sixth grade from Pennsylvania. Hi, my name is Lyra, and my question is: What is a good way to keep a nice flow throughout the book? Ooh. That's a serious question. Thank you. That is such a like really good question. Um, the flow of the book, I think you have to make sure that like it feels good to you. I think it's really important to write out the different points of the story that you want to like keep in mind and so sometimes i do index cards and i'll take all the plot points and put them up on a wall and i literally am like does this flow does this one thing lead into the next and you have to constantly step back and be like am i doing it another way to work on flow is to give it to other people to read your friends and your mom and your dad and your guardians you know whoever you like whoever you think is cool or smart let them read your work if they can follow it and they get it you got flow you got the flow and you just keep on flowing <laughs> i love that you were able to have this like your your is this like your title in the background yeah let's see this is for book number two hopefully rapture um and these are my characters and my plot points still to be like sorted through but that's how i got it on the wall and then when it's up there like that it's all around me and so then i'm always thinking of the story and like it's close to me and so the ideas keep coming and it, it makes it much easier to stay in the story i love it yeah and again it's, I don't know if you feel the same way. I, I guess you do because you were talking about writing things out like in a physical like notebook. Like there's <laughs> just something that, there's just like a kinetic, there's like some kind of energy that's happening. Yeah. And I still like, use these. <laughs> <laughs> there is, there's a process. It's like for real that the, connection between like your brain and your daydream creative space and like you writing with pen and paper, like the bond is stronger. There's no interruptions and like, you're more likely to get into the zone and tap into like your real root of your imagination. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The pen, the pencil, the notebook, it's all an extension of your imagination. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. How about the next question? from Anaya, eighth grade, Bronx, New York. Is there any true stories behind your books? Do we get a video of her or is just the? Oh, just the question. 
Oh my god, my little dog. Look at this. Look at this big old dog. Look at cheeky. Hi, cheeky. <laughs> okay, get down. Get down. Get down, little cheeky. <laughs> that was good for me. Anaya, are there any true stories in my book? Yes. Juliet takes a breath. Uh, is about Juliet going on an internship with her favorite writer. And so she goes to the city where the the writer lady lives and she she makes all sorts of magic and goes on adventures. And that is true. I did that when I was 19. I left the Bronx and I went to Portland, Oregon. My mom thought I was like, <laughs> she didn't know what I was doing, but she supported me. My family was excited. Um, and yeah, that is something that really happens. Um, also, Juliet is like trying to figure out who she is and like what does it mean to be a woman and what does it mean to be a girl who likes girls. And in my life, I have definitely been trying to figure out those things for myself as well. Lovely. <laughs> and I believe we have just one final question. Let's see, from Sara, seventh grade, Massachusetts. Does it make a difference if the superhero were to be Latinx or any other race? Wow. Sarah, thank you for that question. Brina, I think we could both answer that one. <laughs> it always makes a difference um, when you include race, ethnicity, um, but it's who the character is too, right? So if you're um, a little kid and you're from Trinidad and Tobago, your experiences there is gonna be different than a kid growing up in Detroit. And so you're gonna wanna share those really good pieces of like what your grandma would cook that reminded her of Trinidad. And like, maybe there's legends and stories that you grew up with um, from your, your, your grandma and from the islands um, that you wanna put in your comic, you know? Puerto Rican, uh, my, so my family would talk about the chupacabra, you know what I mean? Which was like the magical like goat that would eat the other animals. I don't know, crazy stuff. <laughs> but all the little pieces that come from your identity make the story unique, right? If you're a little kid with autism or two bionic legs, that's gonna make your story your own. And all the other little kids who are like Nigerian and have bionic legs, they're gonna be like, oh, look at that story. That's about me. I can write that story. I exist. So it really does matter. The, the, the extra pieces of who you are really matter in storytelling and in real life. Absolutely. I used to think that my life wasn't interesting enough to write a story about when I was a kid. I think I had these thoughts when I was like around elementary and middle school. And yeah, and I think it wasn't until years and years later when I started reading more comics with a few like more authors of color in my life. Most of the guys I read were mostly white comic mm -hmm. artists, <clears throat> which is 
you know, that's that's what the industry, that's what the world of comics looked like for a long time. But um, I still felt like there needs to there needs to be something different. And I realize whenever I write about myself now or my partner, I want to write it for that little me that didn't have that opportunity to read comics with characters or people like the community that I'm surrounded by and being like a Bay Area kid, we have migrant people from like all over the world. And to me, like whenever I think about like this country too, I've always thought of it as a multicultural, multiracial place. And I always wondered why, you know, why aren't my books like as diverse as colorful as this world that I'm living in right now. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it definitely does matter to have, you know, all of these characters because echoing what you're saying, Gabby, everyone, everybody has a story. It's still going to add so much value to, you know, whatever culture you come from, whatever ethnic group you come from, you're telling us there's also not one way to exist as like, you know, as a Dominican person, as somebody who's like Asian American, there's so many ways of existing. And I'm excited to know what that looks like for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see. Should we wrap things up now or? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, <laughs> hi, Brina. I love this. I love the Latinx Kid Lit Book Festival. I love that that's a thing. How powerful um, to have our own book festival for young people and like showing uh, young kids that, like, you know, reading is important. Like, and as maybe corny or silly as that sounds, it's like, no, like, reading helps you learn about other people. Reading makes you more compassionate. That means that you're gonna get along with more people, that you're gonna be better at fighting for justice because you want everyone to have a better life and to live a long life and to be happy. You want people to be able to love each other no matter what. So like reading books, that is gonna help you do that all the way. And when you read books that are written by authors who are similar to you in color, in body size, in origin, like it helps you feel more alive and more worthy. I'm just so happy to be here. Yes, it's so good to see your face too, Gabby. Like you're doing all of this work and inspiring so many, so many aspiring future writers future graphic novelists who are gonna just keep adding to what it means to exist as a queer Latinx, Latina, Latino person, and to find joy in, yes. in their identity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Julia takes a breath, the graphic novel comes out December 1st and it can be yours wherever graphic novels are sold. Thank you, Boom Studios. Yes. <laughs> Holiday <laughs> gifts, y'all. <laughs> Support. Also, real quick, you're running the Baileys, right? Comics about the Bay Area and Oakland. Well, I want to give all the credit to my future partner, or 
not future partner, future husband. We're getting married next month. Yeah. <laughs> All of my partners, um, it's his pride and joy. Um, the Baileys is a magazine highlighting folks of color, queer cartoonists from the Bay Area who have been doing so much work in my home for like the last 20 some years and new emerging people that are adding to the culture too. So go to thebaileys.com if you want to find more information about all of these amazing people who are like our chosen family and community. Yeah, and it's the perfect example of all the magic you can make with your friends, your boyfriend, girlfriend, them friend, like your people. Oh, Gabby, thank you so much for taking the time to be in conversation. And to all of our viewers, thank you so much for attending our lovely, lovely panel with Gabby Rivera. And thank you for showing up and being a part of this whole experience with us at the Latinx Kid Lit Book Festival. And hope you have a beautiful, beautiful holiday season. Mwah! <laughs> <laughs>